Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to talk with Garland Gilchrist II. Candidate for Detroit City Clerk came up just short in Tuesday's election. It's thinking about a recount. We're going to talk to him about what issues he thinks might exist with those ballots that were cast on Tuesday and whether he thinks it's going to be worth the effort to go through the recount process. We'll also talk to a reporter from Politico about the University of Michigan and working class students. Think of how difficult it has been for working class families in this state to send their kids to colleges like University of Michigan, which of course started out as uh, a place, a way for people to get opportunity. Uh, interesting article in Politico this week. We talked to the author a little later in the show. Also remember that if you've got to step away from the radio, headed into work or headed anywhere else, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. You can always go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts, download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and you can take us with you and listen to us whenever you are ready. Up first today, though, it is Friday, which we call Opposite Day here on Detroit Today. We tried to invite somebody into the studio who sees the world a little differently than I do, maybe sits across the political spectrum in that role. This week is a newcomer to Detroit Today, State Representative Peter Lucido, a Republican from Shelby Township. He represents the State House District 36 in Macomb County. Pete, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to all the listeners. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I talk a lot right now with folks from out of uh, Michigan, outside of Michigan, about Macomb County. Everybody is curious right now, journalists in particular, uh, about Macomb County and the dynamics there that produced uh, the win for for President Trump. And I always... I always say, you know, uh, I live, I live maybe seven miles from uh, the border with Macomb County, but I don't spend nearly as much time there as I do, of course, in Wayne County where I live. But even in Oakland County, I mean, it really is a place that I don't have the same kind of uh, relationships or or experience that I do in other parts of uh, of Metro Detroit. So I'm really glad. That you came in. Well, uh, you know today. what? We'd love to have you. So come on over the border. Say, I need come to spend more time. Come on over the border time, and spend right? some time with us. <laughs> That's right. I need to spend more time, especially in northern uh, northern Macomb County, which uh, I get to even less than than southern Macomb. So as I said, I'm really glad that uh, that you came to do this today, and we'll we'll have you back for sure. Um, but Thank let's you. Uh, let's start out talking about this week in politics, uh, the elections on a national level were at least uh, interpreted to be a referendum on the job that uh, that President Donald Trump has done over the last 11 months. And in states like Virginia, if, if that's the interpretation, then certainly uh, people are, I guess, rethinking uh, that, that, that vote last year, uh, pushing back against some of the things that uh, – that the president said, I, I wonder what you make of what we saw in, in Virginia and whether you worry as somebody who represents uh, people here in Michigan, whether that could carry over into next year when we have uh, elections. You'll stand for for re-election along with the, the rest of your colleagues, right? Well, I'm moving up to the Senate. Oh, you're going so. to the Senate. That's right. Yeah. 
Uh, you know what? I guess people can make of it what they want. These elections are not, these are like midterm elections. They're not, you know. This is even midterm, midterm, yeah. right? <laughs> so I'm not really concerned so much about what locals are doing or what states are doing during the midterm elections. You saw a huge, overwhelming uh, tsunami of a turnout when President Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. And most of it came from the Dem- the uh, Reagan Democrats in Macomb County. He came there just on the on the cuffs of the election, and it was a, um, let's put it this way, it was a, a huge turnout at the polls, clearly marking what it was that they wanted, which was change. They did not want career politicians. They did not want the same old, same old. They didn't want to hear the same rhetoric. We wanted change, and we wanted people that were going to government to do a job, not get a job. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, what we saw in Virginia was – one of the interesting dynamics we saw was usually in in election years like this, fewer people show up, right? right. Uh, they're not paying attention. They're not as focused. These are not as important races. What as, was it in uh, Detroit? Twelve point something percent. Twenty. I think we got to twenty. Did you get that far? Uh, yeah, but but that's does not, that tell you something? It does. I mean, let's it let's face people it. Are the people that engaged. are out there that want to have a change, that want to make a difference, that want to do a job. Go give them that opportunity by giving them their, your vote. Don't sit back and then talk about it later. Right. It's your problem to make it not your problem by voting. Yeah. So, so, but when you look at what happened in Virginia, you had you saw the same level of turnout in Virginia this year as you did in November of 2016, which is very unusual. Normally, you get a big drop. Doesn't that suggest that the that people are are still agitated, are still looking for change, and maybe don't think that the change they get, are getting right now is the change they want? Maybe they're thinking about yeah, something else. Interesting that we are using just Virginia, but we are looking at also like the New York Times just reported: Is this a rebel against Trump, or is it something different? Yeah. When you've got a House and a, and a Senate that is a majority of Republicans, and you can't pass a bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's either a crap bill or <laughs> it's people's attitudes that are just not getting along. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, so the frustration is about more than who's president. It's about politics. It's Absolutely. about government yep. in, in, in general. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We just uh, had that in the state house regarding auto no fault. We had it regarding rolling back the taxes. I mean, we put it up on the board. The Republicans couldn't even roll back taxes. Yeah, and even though they should have, because Granholm, when you know, Governor Granholm had increased our taxes and said this is only for four years, Republicans need to do something about it. Yeah, roll it yeah. back, give something back to the people. Yeah, I mean, I would disagree with that. I think. Well, uh, you can disagree all you want. <laughs> I think, the reality is, it's the I truth. I think we're a pretty, we're actually a pretty low tax state, and more importantly. We are a low outcome state, right? Yeah, but we Our roads the are gas, awful. We raised the gas tax, and, and, and I was a no on that. We raised the registration fee, and I was a no on that. <laughs> I remember those. And you know what? I did that because we had options, alternatives, I felt, and I wanted to have a hearing on, on, on certain things. But ultimately, if the people are going to keep getting taxed, you might as well get rid of the government because it's self-serving that we're getting taxed. We either stay or go. Well, but, you uh, you know, taxes pay for services. And, mm-hmm. and, and there's alternatives like Florida that put it on the consumer who are buying the goods. Yeah, okay? well, but so, Florida has, uh, what, five, six million tourists 
yeah. a year. Yeah. We have a third of that, I think it is, the, that, that come here to the state of Michigan. Do you think we could, I mean, we can't generate not, not money exclusively, the same way. Not yeah. exclusively, but those that want to buy more goods, those that want to buy more services, probably will ultimately pay through the facts that they have more money. Yeah. So so it's not that it's not that you don't believe we need revenue. It's that you think we can get it in different ways. We Absolutely. You think we don't need Absolutely. income or property taxes to be higher, but there are other ways. It seems like it's the be all end all answer. Just tax the people more and we get more, but we spend it. What happens when we save like money over here for private industry or private enterprise to take over government work, what do we do with that money? Because it's coming this this term. If they want people to go ahead and do what normal private industry does in normal private industry, but does it for the government now to save money for the consumer, I want to put that money back to use, which is to pay debt. Otherwise, you're not running a business properly. Do you, do you feel like, I mean, this is a governor who's done a lot of that, who's taken a lot of the money that, that exists in government and putting it toward uh, long-term liabilities, uh, particularly with school pensions. He's done a pretty decent job of that. The rainy day fund is built back billion up dollars after, almost. after, almost after billion being dollars. almost depleted for a long time. I mean, yeah. we're, we're doing that. And yet, again, our, our schools, uh, we're slipping down the rankings of uh, among other states of schools. Higher ed, we are way, we're a bottom 10 state in terms of investment into higher ed. 20 years ago, we were a top 10 state. Uh, again, I, I really think that the issue of money is should be tied to those outcomes as opposed to, well, we, we pay too much tax or we pay too little. The question is not how much you're paying. The question is what you're getting, right? I think you're right. I think you're spot on when you say there has to be an analysis and a uh, review like we do with jobs, peer review with jobs. If you're doing a great job, you reward. If we're doing bad as it relates to our schools and our students and what we're producing as far as the academics, we either demote or get rid of because you can't reward and give more for less results. It doesn't make sense. But you don't think that less lack of money is one of the reasons that uh, that things don't no work? No way. And you know, I'll tell you why. Over the years, no one has ever said, give us less and we'll work harder. <laughs> we'll try it once in well, a while. It doesn't work that way. Right? Well, yeah, you know, I keep giving me more, and I'll keep producing well, a bad but, result. But think of the private sector. I mean, uh, business in, businesses invest to grow. They invest to increase increase uh, output. Right. We had to work smarter during the two thousand eight recession. We, we had did. to work harder, and guess what? We survived. Yeah. We are thoroughbreds here in Detroit. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. My guest is State Representative Pete Lucido, a Republican from Shelby Township, represents House District 36 uh, there in Macomb County. It's opposite Friday. We're talking about the week's news. We always try to invite somebody in who sees the world a little differently than I do. We were talking about uh, this this week's election results. We're going to talk about Steve Bannon next. He gave a speech in Warren for the GOP dinner. Uh, we're going to also talk a little about auto insurance, uh, which which crashed and burned in the legislature recently after um, Mayor Mike Duggan pushed real hard to try to get something through. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. 
and we'll work you into the conversation. Pete, I want to talk about uh, Steve Bannon and that speech. And Warren, you were there. I was there. For the speech. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, boy, it's one of those things that that I got to say, uh, as an African-American, I look at that speech, I look at the people who were there for that speech, and I just got to scratch my head. Why is that okay? Why is the things... Why are the things that, that somebody like Steve Bannon is talking about appealing to people in the Republican Party? You took a a, a, a non-known brand, let's face it, a non-political person to go against a huge uh, political person. Going against the Clintons was like, you know, a legacy of politicians. Her husband was a president. She was a sitting senator. And he, Trump, was a no-brand person except for his branding in business. Steve Bannon was the one that masterminded what states had to turn red for Trump to win. Mm -hmm. And he was positive all the way through. He never let up. He didn't take his foot off the gas until the final certification. In fact, the Detroit Detroit Free Press called it for Hillary Clinton. Bannon said, you're wrong. And they didn't actually concede until two days before the certification of the vote, which is crazy. Who but didn't concede? The free press. No, no, we corrected it the next day. We did? Yeah. Well, Well, I mean, it was within hours we, we had to re, re, reevaluate that because uh, the models that our pollster was using weren't correct, weren't right? Gonna, yeah. They'd been right for 25 years. Uh, all of a sudden. And, and we've won. always had career politicians for more than 25 <laughs> years. And look what the state of the, the country is and the state of the state. Let's talk about reality. Steve Bannon is going to either be hated or going to be loved. There's no in-between with Steve Bannon. Did he talk about things that were uh, disingenuous? No. He talked about the strategies he used. He talked about the efforts that were going in in the war room to get a no-brand elected president of the United States. And that's the American dream anyways. And, and it doesn't bother you then, the things that he has said, the, the, the sort of white nationalist rhetoric that he's Well, wait a minute. You've got to be specific because we've talked in the vernacular for too many years about, look what he said. What was it specifically that offended somebody? What was it? And on top of it, when Steve Bannon spoke up there, it wasn't about specifics. It was about this is what we did in these states to turn them red. Trump was on a mission, six, seven states a day. Nobody can keep that pace, and especially a gentleman who is, you know, he's up there in years. He's not some young kid. And as a result, there was the dream. I, I can become president. Uh, so, is it, so is it your assertion that Steve Bannon doesn't say Things that, that, that are offensive. To who? Uh, to to African-Americans, to immigrants, to, to people who want to come to this country now, uh, just like uh, most people who, here whose uh, ancestors came to this country. Somehow he sees them as different. Steve, mine did. Of course. My, my of own course. grandma and grandpa came here from, you know, from, from Europe. And mm-hmm. as a result, they came here with an idea and a mission to make a better life for their children and their grandchildren and so forth and so on. But Steve Bannon, if it does insult somebody, if it does offend somebody, as far as I'm concerned, people have a right of a First Amendment. And if you don't like it, you have a right to speak out and speak back. Well, but then the question is, uh, if you go and sit through his speech, if you appear to be uh, supportive of the idea of him speaking at the GOP dinner in Macomb County. Does that taint you at, with the, the the same things that he said? Anthony Scaramucci 
who was uh, the White House uh, chief uh, uh, chief strategist, or I'm sorry, he was the press secretary for a while. He even said that Steve Bannon had white nationalist tendencies. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of debate about what he believes or what he says. The question is, what does the GOP say in response? I mean, I think that's one of the frustrations a lot of people have is, okay, here you got a guy saying these crazy things, uh, saying things that that are not American in in many ways. How come no one in the GOP stand, doesn't stand up and say, hey, that's not okay? That's I don't speak for the GOP. Do. I am a member of the GOP, but I don't speak as a spokesperson for the GOP. Yeah, I am very comfortable as to what I heard the night of the unity dinner. And I also am very comfortable about how he made strategic moves to beat Hillary Clinton in a large presidential race that was already called for Hillary yeah, Clinton. Yeah, there's no question about about the fact that that he masterminded one of the great political coups uh, in American electoral history, right? Uh, hey, you know what? Donald Trump was not going to win that election uh, on election day. He wasn't day, supposed to, according to the polling, all of the polling, all right? of the polling, yeah. and according to the states that had to turn red, which were very difficult. And according to coming into Michigan at the last minute and pulling out the stops because it hasn't been done since Ronald Reagan right. and the Bush right. and the Bush campaign, sure. you got to look at reality. People may not like the fact that he may be outspoken, and I'm going to use those words, but he's the best strategic manager I have seen in political arena. Yeah. All right. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, my guest is Pete Lucido, a Republican from Shelby Township, represents State House District 36 there in Macomb County. We're wrapping up the week's news. Let's go to Jennifer in Sterling Heights. Jennifer, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Um, I am from um, Utica Community Schools, or my children go to Utica Community Schools, which mm-hmm. is in your district, Mr. Lucido. We are terribly underfunded. We are facing a, you know, a, a deficit um, as we approach, and our teachers are looking at a 10% pay cut. What are you doing as my representative to make sure that my children's schools are going to be properly funded? Well, Great question, Jennifer. Thanks for the call. Go Jennifer, ahead. good morning, and thank you for the question. I always like the fact that um, Utica is the second largest school district in the state, Utica received more money from the state of Michigan this year than ever before in the history, in the history of funding for education. And on top of it, I want to make sure you realize that if it's underfunded, you need to tell me in what specific area it is. Is it salaries? Because what I understand is when we went to the uh, appropriations for education, uh, Tim Kelly, who is the appropriations chairman, and he's also K-12 through education, Mm -hmm. he runs both, he showed me the highest paid teaching teachers were out of Utica Community Schools for the state. Is that a correct statement, Jennifer? I'm sorry, is it still there, Jennifer? Much more funding than Utica School. Much I'm more asking about salary. I'm yeah. asking about the salaries though. Right now, is it yes. true that Utica Community Schools teachers are paid the most in the state? Go ahead, Jennifer. No, actually, from the research I have done, we are not Utica schools are not the highest paid. Um, that being said, our schools are not funded. We do not have a funding. What is the state? What are you going to do to make sure hey, that my Jennifer? Is Jennifer, uh, let, let's follow up on that with something specific. Can you give us an example of, of the way you think Utica schools are are underfunded? Things you see. The, the way that um, the funding, as far as I understand it, we we are in a bit of a donut hole that um, due to our size and the way um, things are, um, uh, funding is distributed, 
that we receive less funding per student than both Roseville and Birmingham. We are just receiving less. It's not enough for our district to to survive. I really feel like the state is trying to destroy our district and funnel money back to charter schools. Hmm. I want to know what Mr. Lucido is going to do to make sure that you, you know public education in his district succeeds. Okay, because Jennifer. Again, people- thanks. Uh, thanks for the call and and the questions. I don't I don't know that I understand the donut yeah, hole. I, I understand. She's talking about, I do but- understand what she's speaking about based on the size of the school and the funding mechanism that the state has implemented that's been around for a while. We receive less per student the way the funding mechanism, the formula, formula, and the formula needs to be changed. The state knows it, and the state is working in conjunction with the appropriations to make sure that that funding mechanism is looked at. That's why they gave more to Utica this last year. You know, other states are looking at other ways to fund public education than relying solely on property taxes, which, right. of course, uh, results in these sort of inequalities that we see where, where really wealthy communities can generate a lot more money for their schools than, than working class uh, communities. Are, are, are you somebody who's, who's thinking about, well, maybe we could do this differently, maybe we could do the whole thing differently and come up with a, a, a more equitable funding stream? So look at Detroit. If the property values are depressed and they're the largest school district in the state, how does that make equality? It's not. But you look at you know, my district, which, which is northern Macomb County, mm-hmm. has the highest property values, and we're still having uh, what's called challenges. And it's not working. And the government... Uh, you know, when state sits down and says the formula itself doesn't bring a better result because we are a donor county. Macomb County has always been a donor county to this state. We need to refix, reevaluate, and retool how it is that student funding, it's been the biggest debate up there. I, I, I shy away from it because the formula, if it doesn't work, change it. Yeah. What are we waiting for? Well, I mean, if you look at the states that are doing the best, for instance, on education, K-12 yep. performance, Massachusetts always at the top, top of that list. The way they do it is they look, they they account for things like poverty. They account for things like the incidence of, of special education and other kinds of factors and say, we're going to give more money to those school districts than we'll give to others. And Here's a fact that I learned a couple months ago. If you look at the performance in Boston schools, which are not that different from Detroit schools in, the, in terms of the, the, the challenges they face, they are above the median scores for all schools in the state of Michigan. Uh, so you've got a, an urban poor district outperforming not the best schools in Michigan, but the average schools in Michigan. Doesn't that suggest that maybe money makes a difference? Money could not always. Let's face it. We have other challenges. Maybe it's technology. Maybe it's uh, social de- demographics, uh, not being able to get to school. Maybe it's transportation. All these things are something to look at. But the reality is, if it's broke and it's not working and the funding can be different, like if we took a Boston model, yeah. always open for consideration and evaluation to say, let's give it a try. Why? Yeah. We're not making success the way we're doing it now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's take one more call here. Tony and Shelby Township. Tony, welcome to Detroit. Today. Hello. How's everybody hey. doing this morning? Good. How are you? Good, good. Uh, first of all, I'd like to address the uh, tsunami that occurred 
in the states of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Uh, if I remember correctly, the, we had filled the Silver Dome with 80,000 people. That was the margin of victory in those three states. Mm-hmm. So the tsunami is actually just like maybe a ripple, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think um, uh, yeah, they, they were narrow. They were narrow victories. I think the the, the tsunami yeah, is always referred to as the turnout. They were extremely narrow. There was a lot um, of turnout. Yeah, go ahead though, Tony. The other thing I wanted to address was uh, your run for um, state senate there, Mr. Brandenburg's seat. I think that's a a, a great idea. But I, I'm just wondering why you wanted to do that. Was it because of the gerrymandering that's been going on in the state of Michigan? I mean, Peter Lund, who held your seat before, redrew your district in okay. Shelby Township to include more Republicans. I grew up it's in St. Clair Shores. I that seat for the Republicans. For You're talking about the Senate seat. Yeah. Yeah. Tony, thanks for the call. Go, yeah. ahead. Go ahead, Pete. Tony, I grew up in St. Clair Shores, and um, I practiced law 30 years in Macomb County. I'm homegrown in Macomb. I never left. It's been my business there in Macomb. It's been my family upbringing. My mom and dad, we grew up on Lakeland Street in St. Clair Shores. And when Jack Brandenburg decided, because of term limits, it's time to hang up the spikes, he came to me and he said, I want to endorse you and support you. So did Candace Miller, uh, former congressman, now our public works director, and our congressman, Paul Mitchell. I'm a businessman to Lansing, went to Lansing to you know do a job, not get one. I had a great <laughs> job as a lawyer. But I raised my children. I figured, you know what? What better way with the skills that I have and the knowledge of being a lawyer than to give back to Macomb County, where I have my passion, my love. I started my own magazine there called Macomb Now Magazine because I love the county, I love the people, and I just love to be a part of that community. And I want to stay a part of it and try to help it out best I can with the skills I have up in Lansing. I hope that answered your question. All right. Pete Lucido, state rep from Shelby Township, represents House District 36 in Macomb County. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Had a good time, Stephen. You You know what? I love coming downtown because I love to see how we light up our lives here in the city. Because without the city, without the city coming and thriving, it doesn't help our suburbs. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. Thanks very much for being here. We'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. All right, up next, we're going to talk to Garland Gilchrist about his desire for a recount in the election for Detroit City Clerk. Stay with us on Detroit Today. Your city. Your town. Your voice.